0: You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Alrighty. oh, excuse me. <laughs> Got the frog stuck in my throat, but it was amazing. To be, yeah, I was a bit choked up there. Uh, it was amazing to be back at Innes as uh, past Sunday. And uh, if you missed out, make sure that you join us on August 7 when we have our next one. And, uh, it was just really good just to be back at a venue that's really served us so well. Um, over the years and uh, had just such a, a familiarity to it uh, but as well as like rediscovering what the new normal is going to be like for us as we move forward and um, and so uh, it brings us to the summer uh, schools have broken up we've just celebrated uh, Canada's day schools are out uh, the weather's uh, getting a little bit better and so we're going to be diving into our summer series that's going to be interspersed with a couple of guest speakers, but basically for the majority of the series, we're going to be speaking about the church. In fact, we're going to call the series the Ecclesia, which is the Greek word that Jesus in the New Testament refers to when they talk about the church. Now, I don't know what comes into your mind when you hear the word church, but probably a lot of different things from a building, a particular type of service, a particular Type of organization and so we're going to be jumping into all of that. We're, we're taking a break from our uh, ACT series but in some ways ACT has really formed uh, our understanding of what the church is, the birth really of the Spirit-filled church. And so we're going to use as a foundational text, but we're going to have other texts involved, but we're going to use a foundational text, I'm going to use it today, from Acts chapter 2, which is really a summary of what the early church was and did, and really what made them so faithful and fruitful in a a very hostile environment um, for them. And so we're going to be looking at the church then, but then using that as a framework to say, okay, well then, how is the church now in terms of those critical, essential things that the church is and should be about? Um, how are we uh, doing as the church? And so if you can join me in Acts chapter 2, we're going to be reading from verses 41 to 47. I'll be up on your screen. And so here we go as we jump in. Verse 41, so those who received his word, Peter had just preached the sermon, were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. The church is about 3,000. praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And so obviously a very idealized picture of the early church. And if you read any parts of the New Testament, they weren't a perfect church. They had a lot of challenges, very similar to today's church. But at least we can take stock of what was really essential to them, some of the things. and so already in that passage we just read some hints as to what they did very well that made them incredibly faithful and fruitful. And so I'm going to hone in today on just the three words: they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. And we're gonna to get to we could actually explore in the rest of the series what exactly they devoted themselves. But today I just want to speak a little bit about devotion. Now, a great definition of devotion means to be focused on something, to be committed to something, to hold fast to something, to be given over to something to be in something continually and to be incredibly lovingly loyal to something you're devoted to it right we think of this in terms of you're devoted to a, a, a spouse or a person you're devoted to a sports team we can be devoted to a lot of things it's intrinsic within our human nature to be devoted to something let's explore that a little bit more um, I'll share a little quick story from jesus and early in Jesus' ministry, in the Gospel of John, John tells us about some of his would-be disciples. It tells us these two disciples in particular are following John the Baptist. And they've been disciples of John the Baptist. But then Jesus walks by and John says something about Jesus that basically says, look, the Pass of the Lamb uh, is here. And they, disciples, begin to follow Jesus. And while they're following Jesus, Jesus turns around to them and says this, what are you seeking? Another translation says, what do you want? It's a very interesting question, very precise and incitive question that Jesus asks them, and not just them, I think asks every single one of us. What are you seeking? What do you want? Because, and this is what Jesus knows about our human condition, our wants, desires, and loves are at the core of who we are, so much so that they they inform our actions and our behaviors. Our, they flow from that. You know, scripture speaks about the wisdom of Scripture tells us the importance, the centrality of your heart. Now, the heart isn't just your emotions. The heart is the core of who you are, where you, you make your decisions, your cognitive abilities. It's, it's the essence of who you are, at least in terms of the scriptural use of the word heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from these uh, wants, desires, and loves. And so Jesus turns to his disciples. As they're following him, what do you want? What are you seeking? The the heart of being human really is, summed up in this phrase, you are what you love. Now, that's not something I came up with. There's actually the title of a book, which is a brilliant book. And I want to say, please add this to your summer reading. And thank me later. Um, It's really a great book. Um, um, So many leaders and pastors. It's not just for leaders and pastors, very Christian. But he really this James Smith is a, a Christian philosopher, really dives into what it means to be human how God's wired us, um, essentially not just as thinkers, but essentially as lovers, that we pursue things. It's it's built within how God's made us and how that's in, an incredible gift, but it also can be very destructive if it's not directly, uh, it's ordered in the right way or directed in the right way. And so um, I'm not going to be able to do justice to his book, but I do want to use a little bit of what he says to kind of build this theme of what Jesus is talking about. What is it that you want? What is it that you seek? Because if you can distill that, that's going to probably inform the direction of your life. And so in his book, he provides an introduction to the Augustinian insight that we are mostly profoundly shaped by what we love most, more than what we think or even believe or even what we do, by what we love most. And he uses the fifth century philosopher, theologian, Bishop of North Africa, St. Augustine, and his famous line, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Taken from his book, Confessions. You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And so kind of three claims you can see Augustine is, is bringing out here. The first one is a design claim. In other words, that you and I are made by God and for God the creator. And so to be fully and truly human is to find ourselves in relationship to the one who has made us and for whom we are made. Also in that design is not just that we're made for God and by God, but that human beings have a a goal, a purpose, an ultimate end, in philosophical terms a telos. We're teleological beings. We have an end, a purpose, a pursuit with which we're directed. And often it's Cast as a vision of the good life or human flourishing, what we esteem to be what is um, the good life. And so we're, we're directed in that way. The second uh, claim that Augustine is making, that that passion, that goal, that purpose, that pursuit towards that end goal is situated where? In the heart. Um, to be human is to be made for someone, for something. And it's it's what we live for and what we want And love and desire, we lean into that, we pursue that, whether we're consciously, fully conscious of that or subconsciously. And then lastly, not only that, not only we designed for God, by God, for God, designed for some ultimate purpose, that that's situated in the heart, but ultimately because we're made to love the one who made us and loved us, when our loves are oriented rightly, pointing in the right direction, we flourish as human beings made in the image of God. And the opposite is true when we don't have it pointed in the right direction, when that end goal is not the end goal that God has for us, we're restless, as Augustine says. We're restless until we come back to that place of resting in Him. Um, And to pull out a quote from James Smith's book on this, he says, To be human is to have a heart. You can't not love. So the question isn't whether you will love something as ultimate. The question is what you will love as ultimate. And you are what you love. So discipleship, following Jesus, is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and longings with his. To want what God wants. To desire what God desires. To hunger and thirst after God. And crave a world where he is all in all. A vision encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. And so, when the call comes to follow Jesus, what are you seeking? What do you want? Come follow me. It's really a call of Jesus wanting to recalibrate our hearts, to reform our loves, our wants, and our desires, and to do this primarily through practices or habits that shape how we love, because love takes practice. Love takes practice. Now, this past week, uh, my wife and I, we celebrated 19 years We turned 19. Uh, The Chantal and Richard Kidger project turned 19. And uh, I have good news to report. It's going strong. Um, But looking back over the years, um, love changed us. Love changes us. Love changed the way we live. Love changes us personally. It gave us new habits and practices. And then those practices changed us. Uh, anyone that's wanting to work at a relationship knows that love takes work. It takes devotion. That word that we use, it takes a commitment. It takes to to be in something continually. The absence of that erodes upon it. If, if we're just riding on an emotion, emotions fade very quickly, right? And so love takes practice. We know this in in human relationships, right? We know that probably devastatingly so when it fails us, when we don't see the effort maybe one person or another doesn't put into a relationship. And it's no different to Jesus. And so we come back to another call that Jesus gives to other disciples. In essence, the same way. It's the same rephrasing of what are you seeking? What do you want? He says to his other disciples, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And so to follow Jesus isn't just to adopt a certain set of beliefs, it isn't to even just belong to Him, as important as belief and belonging is, but it's also to become like Him, to become something different because my love shapes me in a different way, that we're formed and transformed through following not just Him and His teachings, but His way of life. Love takes practice. To love someone means we change, um, hopefully in good ways. And so it's not to minimize education and information and belief and belonging, those are important, but it's to say there's much more to that. You know, education is is thinking and learning, but formation is what we practice and do. And it's really where change comes, right? We, you know, I, I'm an ideas guy, I can live a lot of my head and having a lot of, I mean, even sitting on our anniversary, we're talking about some ideas and I can just see Chantal's like, yeah. The ideas, but can we get some execution on some of those great ideas? And that's something that I need to work on. And so it's not just the information and knowledge and absorbing the teachings of Jesus, but it's allowing, but beginning to do something with those, allowing to, them to shape and form me in different ways. Formation is what you practice and do. And so these practices that we're talking about, or what it means to follow Jesus, what the early church fathers and mothers referred to as a rule of life. Now. I know when you hear the word rule, it doesn't sound great. It sounds like a constraint. It sounds like law. And that's really how we should interpret today um, that word rule. A ruling, a rule, it's to be obeyed, Um, it's black and white. But that's not how they use that word when they were originally talking about in the Latin. In fact, it's more in line of the word that's used for a trellis. Think of a trellis in a vineyard. I've got a beautiful vineyard to put in front of you, right? That could be somewhere in beautiful Ontario, right? And so those trellises, what do they do? They bring organization to those vines. Why do they bring organization to those vines? To increase their chances of health, of growth, and of fruitfulness, Right? As they're elevated off the ground, it, it protects them from disease and, and things that would want to destroy their crops. It gives them the best chance of being able to produce the fruit they were designed to produce. And so a rule of life is a trellis for your life. It's a structure from which our lives can build so that we can thrive, grow, flourish in the way God and Jesus intends for us. It doesn't happen automatically. Love takes practice. Loving God, loving others, loving the world takes practice. More specifically, takes certain practices. And so these rules of life, it's an ancient term for these patterns, these trellises, these organizations of communal habits that form us into the people that God wants us to be. And so by creating a rule and a rhythm of life and so you think of the rule it's the certain practice and by the way you currently have a rule of life whether you know it or not it's just a question of is it a good one or is it a bad one you currently have a rule it's the rule is the practice and the rhythm is the frequency of it and so you might have a rule that says i need to pray and you might have a practice of doing a daily or semi-regularly throughout the week you might have a practice of keeping a day holy a sabbath and you might practice that once a week. For a lot of us in our Evanation family, we have a practice of prayer and fasting, and it happens annually for a week. We have a practice of worshiping together, and it usually happens on a Sunday. And so you can see already you have a practice, you have a rule of life, and it doesn't just apply necessarily to your spiritual life, although this is what it's meant to be. These are habits, these are habits to cultivate as worshipers. Another word for that is liturgy. It's just, it's habits that are, that are cultivating us as worshipers, as lovers, remember? But you might have a rule that says when you first wake up, you check your social media or your email, and that's a practice and a rhythm that probably happens very frequently. Now, whether that's healthy or good for you or not is for you to take a step back and look. But if you begin to analyze your life, you'll see that you are a habitual person. You do certain things, and habits are very powerful in the sense that habits become second nature to us right we, like second nature means you don't have to think about it not all things start out that way we have to work at that when you first learn to tie a shoelace it was a lot of effort right it took a lot of work to tie that shoelace i'm hoping by now it doesn't take you that much effort you probably don't even think about it i mean kind of a scary thought is for those of you been driving for any length of time i've been driving for many years how many times have you been driving you kind of forget you're driving it's like you just automatically dry. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. A jury's out on that. But there are certain things that we just become second nature to us. And so that's the encouragement that anything almost that we practice a work at can become that. But also destructive things can become that. And so it takes effort to change patterns, to redirect us towards Loves. And so that's what the early church mothers and fathers, they put together these practices to say, it takes practice to follow Jesus. It doesn't come automatically. It takes practice for us to redirect, reorientate, in Augustine's word, to reset the navigation of our, of our hearts on Jesus and what he's passionate about. It takes practice, and it takes practice in community. And uh, almost all of these things that we're going to explore are just assumed to do it in community, not just by yourself. And so you have one already. The question is, is it a good, is it a helpful or harmful rule of life that you're living by? Um, I love this quote from Margaret Gunther, wife, mother, and Anglican priest speaking about a rule of life. She says, a good rule can set us free to be our true and best selves. It is a true working document, a kind of spiritual budget, not carved in stone, but subject to regular review and revision. It should support us, but never Constrict us, and so think of this summer as we go through this. We're going to be exploring the rule of life of the early church, and in a way for us to contemplate and ha- use the summer to examine our own lives, personally but also communally. Examine our, is the rule of life; is the rhythms of life. Am I am I being more discipled and shaped by the culture's rule of life, and it has a rule of life for you, make no mistake, or am I increasingly be shaped and cultivated by a rule of life that makes me more passionate and a of Jesus? More passionate to follow those with Jesus and for his world. And so at Every Nation GTA, in some ways, we have a very simple framework. Simple not meaning easy, but simple meaning it's pretty simple to grasp of what it means to follow Jesus. We talk about this being up and out or worship community mission. It's kind of a rule of life that's broken into practices to cultivate a life of worship community, a mission, worship, to love and follow Jesus and pattern everything in our lives after his life. Community is to do life with and love and care for one another with intentionality, a mission to love those in the world around us who don't follow Jesus with courage and compassion. And from time to time, we tweak things that that try to do that in a better way, that refresh that. But in essence, that's what we're trying to do as we follow Jesus together on his Mission, you know, um, when we devote ourselves to practices of worship, of community and mission, it's not just some religious activities to fill up your week. It's not just something that we do, but they do something to us. Those habits, those practices, love takes practice, they change us, hopefully into better lovers. Like the marriage example, hopefully into better lovers of Jesus. For example, community. If you've ever been in a community, small group, for instance, you you know that takes commitment. Usually, typically, they happen weekly. There's a lot of things that happen in your week that could easily say, I'm too tired to show up tonight. Oh, so much has happened in my life. But that practice of committing yourselves to a group and a people that are going to hold you accountable does something to you, does something to your schedule. It should. It cuts across the individualistic, a value in our society that's going off the scale. It's all about the individual. It says, I might be feeling this, but there are people counting on me to show up. That my absence means a detraction from that group. I bring something to that group, and my absence is felt as my presence is felt. And so that's just a small example of how the rule of life is saying, I'm going to commit to a certain time certain day of a week to a certain people and i want to make sure it's a priority in my calendar sure stuff happens life happens we understand that but by and large those practices I'm going to worship I'm going to gather my family if you have a family and we're going to worship I'm going to come together with the with the, the people of God on Sunday to work that's a rule of life that's going to shape you it's going to shape your kids hopefully for the better. So can you see how we're doing these things or we're not doing these things, but they're not just things that we do. They're in turn going to do something to us. That's how God's designed it. That's how Jesus has designed it. That's why he asks us, what are you seeking? What do you want? Come follow me. All right, let's end off. What are then these rule, this rule of life that we see from Acts 2? And so there's perhaps different ways that different people could break these down. We've broken it down to six things. Six things that we're going to take each message over the summer to explore this more fully what that means, we've, but we've distilled six things that they really devoted themselves to. I'll go through this very quickly because in each each message is going to unpack this in more detail. So I'm not going to go into much of it today. The first thing it says they they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they devoted themselves to learning truth. Learning the truth. Now, these were spirit-filled, spirit-led people, and so please note that knowledge is not the enemy of being spirit-filled and spirit-led, all right? Sometimes we've had that weird thing in Christianity that if you're a person of the Holy Spirit, it's chaos, it's spontaneous, there's no order, and I don't think that's true at all, but I think there is something about learning truth. Secondly, they were devoted to one another. It says they were devoted to the fellowship. It's a rich word of holding things in common, of participating together in life, deep relationship it says they had that at the temple the large gathering in their homes the small gatherings kind of like what we're trying to do with these pop-up services and then in-home services the big the small both are needed we we get different things from the different size groupings they cared for and supported one another spiritually and materially they made sure there was no need among them they cared for one another they looked after one another they literally had to be one another's family because in their context often it might have meant being disowned from their natural family if they were going to be followers of Jesus. Thirdly, we see joyous worship. Okay, These are, these are my adjectives, right? The people that are going to be preaching might choose different ones. But these joyous worship, um, it says that they had there was an awe on the people. They were glad, they rejoiced, they had glad and generous hearts, praising God. There was an awe, a reverence about their worship, but also an exuberance and a joy about the worship. Notice again, worship happened at the temple, but also in small home gatherings, small group gatherings. Number four, communal prayer, right? Prayer. It wasn't just them individually praying, but these were, you must remember this early church was largely Jewish people that became followers of Jesus. They were used to a rule of life already that made them pray multiple times Every day, they continued that practice, but now it's just also directed to Jesus as the Son of God. They prayed prayers that were written out for them. We might call that liturgical prayers. Some of us have an aversion to any, you know, prayer is just supposed to be spontaneous from the heart. Absolutely, it should be, but it's not just that. They probably opened their prayer book called the Book of Psalms and used that as their prayers, the Lord's Prayer. So, so many different ways that we can pray. We've covered prayer in many series um, over the summers in past. Number five. I want to call it winsome witness. They didn't just witness. They witnessed in a way that it says they had favor among the people. It's not to say that everyone became a Christian, but there was something that was extraordinarily attractive about their faith and following of Jesus. And I was wondering if we could recapture that in our moment in our day. You know, sometimes the church is cast in very different lights for different people. But could we capture this? As part of the church then and the church now, a way to witness, but a way that witnesses in a winsome way. It might not convert everyone. It's not necessarily to make everyone love, you know, Jesus polarizes people. You love him or you hate him. And that's not, but There was a way that attracted people to this something about you. Um, and then lastly, sacrificial service. There were a people of sacrifice, uh, incredibly generous and sharing and it wasn't just confined to the church for sure they made sure the people within the church were taken care of but it wasn't just confined to them they were a generous a sacrificial people um even to the point of pooling their resources their material resources selling their possessions we'll dive into that this is not communism all right but it was a radical realization that jesus has lord over everything you know, it was Luther that talked about different conversions for Christians and he lamented that didn't all happen at the same time. It was a conversion of the heart, the mind, and the wallet. And he said, I wish that happened all at the same time. But these were people that very from the get-go realized that, hey, Jesus, you don't just have my life, but everything that I have is yours and your people. It's a radical way of thinking, not a communistic way of thinking, but a radical way of thinking that I am not my own, my possessions are not my own. And again, we live in a society that's very much about the individual rights, your possessions, your rights, your responsibilities. And it's not to say those are bad in and on itself, but we also need to make sure that that's not become the absolute for us. That we become a generous people. We become a sacrificial people like them. All right. So those six is what we're going to be diving into over the summer. But let me wrap this up and bring it to an end with a kind of a sobering quote. I've, I've really been enjoying the last couple of years. Rich Valotis, he, he took over from Pete Scazzaro. Uh, leading the church in New York City. Um, he's really um, speaks a lot on spiritual formation, rule of life. Uh, he leads an incredibly multicultural multi-generational church in Queens, New York um, and uh, and uh, he's just got a very wise way, very young guy in his 40s kind of like me, but very just really appreciate comes from a Puerto Rican background. I really appreciate the way that he frames things and uh, there's a very sobering quote. he says this he says the troubling reality. That believers can be deeply committed to being Christian without ever being deeply formed by Christ, and so what we want to do is we want to be formed by Christ. We want to do these practices, but they're a means to an end. And I think in some ways, what he's saying there is that we can be committed to all the things that are peripheral to Christianity. We can we can be part of a church. We can even show up regularly. We can maybe give every now and again. We can open up our bibles but are we really becoming and being formed by jesus are we becoming more like jesus or are we just becoming more religious or becoming this kind of idea of what we think a christian should be and it is a subtle line for sure but what we want to do is we want to be formed by christ formed by christ by practicing the way of christ and the early church fell into these six practices at least. Probably more, and we know that there's more, but these six essentially were what they cultivated them to be worshippers, to be a community, and to be on mission for Jesus. And so we're going to explore that this season. Here's a question for you, maybe three, threefold question on the lines of worship. Community mission. If you're still uh, meeting as a small group, and some of our small groups take a break over the summer, but here would be a question. Even if you're not meeting a small group, if you've got some friends or a family, why not you run the dinner table and speak about this? What are my personal current practices, daily, weekly, monthly? What's my current rule of life as it applies to just my walk with Jesus? And be honest with yourself. If it's if, it, if there's some practices that are not as frequent as they should be, talk about that. Maybe use the summer to get on track with some of those practices instead of trying to take five practices, choose one or two did you used to love reading the bible regularly every day but maybe for whatever reason it's gotten dry find a way to get back into that bible but do a different way find a different plan whatever it is read the word with somebody whatever it is find ways to what are those personal current practices but what are my relational practices probably a bigger one for us that live in the west when again everything's so individualistic what are my relational practices what are my communal practices where do i show up and be a blessing to others? You know, have I withdrawn from small group community? Have I withdrawn from gathering together with the saints in person or making an effort to get together on a Sunday? Then there's a challenge for you. And then thirdly, what are my missional practices? How am I looking at the people in the world around me that don't believe what I believe, that don't necessarily love Jesus in the way I love Jesus? What are my practices to to to, to step to take a step towards them in, in compassion and in courage, To find ways and entries into conversations? That are, um, winsome, a winsome witness to them. All right. The call to follow Jesus is the call to follow him together in community on his mission. And I'll leave you with the words of Jesus. What, no other better way to leave this message. What are you seeking? What do you want? Come follow me because I believe what you're seeking, what you want is found in following Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.